You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. Okay. So we are, we are on, on week six of, uh, of the series, Dear Church, and who, who would have ever imagined when we started this series that our world would take a turn and it would ap- go absolutely crazy, right? Everything that's going on is, is you know, is, is just things that we haven't seen before. And it kind of brings us to, to the reality that uh, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what can come upon us. And that's what the churches that uh, the Apostle John wrote to, they were looking at uh, intense persecution. Uh, they were looking at uh, the pressures from with, without as well as the pressures from within. And we've talked about those, those different churches uh, for the last five weeks. Now we're in week six. Uh, I've mentioned, I want to mention again, that uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, debate on the four major positions that people take. That hasn't been my focal point. I haven't been here to, to give you a position on eschatology, especially the millennium. What I have been uh, here to, to present to our church is what is the attitude that we have as we face the reality that Jesus is going to come back. That's what we agree upon uh, every, every position uh, agrees on that one thing, that there is a second coming where Jesus will return for his people. And if you remember, uh, I, just quickly, if you, if you have your, your outline, can you just pick it up so I can see that you have the outline? Because in that outline, uh, we're going to look at the, the, the first uh, five that we presented, and then we're going to go into uh, number six. Remember we talked about we should be eagerly waiting for the Lord to come? Why? Because this is not our home. Our home is where there will be no more coronavirus. Our home is you're not going to have to go to Walmart looking for uh, toilet paper and there be not be any. Right? Our home is everything's going to be there for us. We're going to be met with, with no more cancer, no more pain, no more shame, no more rapes, no more molestations. All of the stuff that this world brings upon us and brings so much hurt and so many difficulties. And then we should also love his appearing. That's a second attitude. We should want to see Jesus face to face. We talked about that in, 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 at length. Uh, the, the third week, we talked about exercise patience. Uh, we should be patiently waiting for the Lord. Uh, some people say, well, you said he's going to be coming. That's what they told Peter. You, you, what about this coming of the, of the Lord? And he said, Christ is not late or God is not late in his return, but he's patient, not wanting for what? Any person to perish, but for all to come to repentance in Christ. And so he wants your neighbors, your family, Everyone, not only to come to an Easter service, but they want, God wants for them to come to Jesus. And we're believing for that as we celebrate our services. Uh, the next week, we talked about purifying ourselves. We're, we're progressively becoming more like Jesus. We're, we're looking more like him. We don't think the way we used to. We don't talk the way we used to. We don't act the way we used to because progressively we're being sanctified. Positionally, we are sanctified. We are in Christ but every day, positional, I mean, uh, progressively, we're becoming more and more like him because the Holy Spirit is working from within to without. And we, our actions begin to produce the actions of, of God 
the fruit of the Lord. And then last week we talked about being watchful, that we should be watching like a thief in the night. Jesus will come like a thief in the night. No one knows the day nor the hour, but he will come. And we need to be watchful and, and be waiting and be alert that he's going to come back. Just like if someone was robbing your neighborhood, if they went to your neighbor's house, two, do- two houses down, and then the neighbor down the street, four houses down, you will begin to say, hey, they're, they're coming in and they're, they're robbing our, our neighborhood. We need to be watchful. That's what Jesus is saying. Be watchful. Be alert. You don't know when the day is going to come or the hour that he'll come back. And then today, the sixth attitude that every follower of Jesus should have is we should all exercise faithfulness. We should be faithful. What does this mean? What are you doing with the, with the time that God has gifted you with? Every minute, every hour, every day is a gift from God. I'm doing two services coming up, uh, two memorial services that just came upon us this week. I'm doing one for a 53-year-old. 50, I'm doing another one for a 60-year-old. You know, every, every day that we have is a gift. You sitting here and, and taking a breath, that's a gift. What do we do with the time that's allotted to us? Are we using it to, to pour into people's lives, to pour the love of God into people's lives, or are we using it selfishly for ourselves? Are we consumed with me? Are we consumed with stuff? You know, it's a gift from God. Uh, the, the second thing, what are we doing with the talent that he's given to you? I was blessed. 5,500 uh, 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 hours that were, that were used, your talent, your gifting used for the betterment of, of the church body. We did Serve Our City Sunday. We were representing five different communities all over the place, and we went out as a church, and we, rep, we represented Christ doing things for them. Our time was used for his glory. So um, our gifting was used for his glory as well. And then what do we do with the treasure that, that God has given us? When you use your treasure... You know, it, it, everything belongs to God. When I came into this world, I came into this world with nothing. Born on February 1st, 1967 in Lordsburg, New Mexico. Dr. James Baxter delivered me. My mom was expecting a girl. They didn't, have, they, didn't, they didn't tell you if it was boys or girls at that time. When I came out, she started crying. I wanted a girl. I was all boy. And so they, they, the doctors, you know, she said, I don't even know what I'm going to name him. I had another name. He, she already took the name John from my brother, my dad's name. I don't know what to name him. The doctor said, my name is James. Hey, that's a great name. James. So the reality, but I came into this world with nothing, and we go out of this world with what? Nothing. And so everything that, is, that we have as far as our treasure is a gift from God. And, and, and what do we do with, with the treasure that God has given us? Um, there, were, there were two parables uh, in Matthew 25 uh, that prepare, uh, actually confirm what Jesus had talked about in Matthew 24. Matthew 24, he's talking about the return of the Son of Man. He's talking, this is what it's going to look like in, uh, when the Son of Man returns. And then in chapter 25, he gives two parables, and then he talks about how it's going to be after this. So the first parable, he talks about ten virgins. Five of them were wise, Five of them were foolish. And as, he, uh, as he's talking about them, the wise virgin, virgins, virgins, the wise ones had oil in their lamp. They had enough oil to, to suffice to wait and eagerly wait for, for the bridegroom. The, the foolish ones said, ah, you know what? We're just going to take whatever we have. 
not going to worry about it. And, uh, and they said to the, to the wise virgins, whenever the bridegroom was announced to, to be coming, give us, some of your, give us some of your oil. You know, it'd be like the people saying, give us some of your toilet paper. <laughs> right? But the reality is that toilet paper is not going to cut it. We need oil. The oil in the lamp means prayer. We need to be prayed up. We need to be in the word, filling ourselves with, a, with, a, with a, the things of God. And then we're ready for his return. And so the, the, the Bible says this in, in, in Matthew 25, verse 1 and 2. It says, the, then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. The wise had enough oil for when the bridegroom returned. Um, the, the, then he goes on. He gives another parable. And in, in this parable, he talks about a, a, a man who, who goes on a journey he goes, and then he leaves his servants with talents. And this is how it goes in, in verse 14 and 15 of chapter 25 of Matthew again. It says, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. Okay, so it, t- it teaches me that everything is God's. He's entrusted me with everything that I have, my time, my breath, my gifting, my monetary blessings. They're all God's. He said he entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. And then it it goes on to verse 29 because some of them used it and they invested it. They increased it. Two of them did. And then one of them put it in the dirt because they had a very faulty outlook on the the man, on on the, 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 the ruler, on the master. And they hid it. And I think a lot of times we have a faulty view of our master that he's good. He wants the best for us. But some people look at our master like he's so mean. He doesn't want anything good for me. And you bury everything that God has given you. And that's exactly what he's saying right here. And then he goes on in, in, in verse uh, 29. It says, for to everyone who has will more be given. And he will have an abundance or she will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the, the, the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping. Why am I here? And gnashing of teeth. I can't believe you did this to me. And he's talking about the end times. He's talking about when Jesus comes back. Then he goes on in verse 31 of that same chapter. It's, and he kind of clarifies it. He says, when the Son of, Ma, of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him. Right? We talked about that. When the Son of Man comes. Second coming. Then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations. And he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right. Okay, that's going to be God's people, but the goats are going to be on his left. Then the king will say to those on the right, come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom that has been prepared for you from the what? From the foundation of the world. It's not like if God's saying, oh my goodness, i got to build something. God's already knows what's going to happen. And he's letting everything play out. God's not scratching his head th- thinking right now, the coronavirus, what are we going to do? He's saying, look to me and I'll help you to know what to do. And after the coronavirus, there's going to be another thing. There's going to be things over and over and over and over. There always has been. But your world will be rocked if your world is not anchored in God. 
All these things that are happening, this doesn't surprise God. But what's the most important thing is as we go through these things, that we are the ones that are going to be on the right side when he calls us home. Not on the left. Are you with me? We're going to be on the side of God, not on the side of the world, the devil, and our flesh, our individual selves. And that's the battle we have. The battle that you have, the battle that I have, is we fight because we want to live independently of God. We want to do our own thing. We want to do what the world is doing. I know nobody in this service struggles with wanting to do what the world's doing. That's first service. You guys just, you're on it. We're on it. We're on it. Right? And so you get to this place and you, what's really important is for you to be on God's side, to stay faithful to the things of the Lord. And so last week, we, we, heard, we learned about Sardis, the church in Sardis. Everyone around them said, this church has it going on. They're all that. And God said to them, you're none of that. You're none of that. You're spinning your wheels. You're busy doing everything else except what matters to God. So, so being busy, now hear me, being busy is not effective. We live in a society where everyone's busy. Churches are busy. Doing, 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 doing. But here's the thing. Is everyone around us saying rah, 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 and God is saying nah, nah, nah. What you're doing does not matter. Your busyness does not matter. There's something about being quiet before God and, and investing into the things that really matter. The things that really matter is investing in the peace of God that only comes through spending time with Jesus. It only comes through, through investing into the things of Jesus. But let me tell you something, beloved, for you and for me, that the, the world and, the, and the, the, the devil and your flesh is going to play havoc to try to, dis, to, try to distort and to, and to divert and to bring you away from spending quality time with the Lord. So he said, I'm not impressed with you, Sardis. Now, 30 miles away was the church in Philadelphia. And the church in Philadelphia is who he's going to speak to. It was a very small place. It was the newest city of all the the cities that he writes to in Asia. It was the newest. It wasn't like a a historical city. It was new. But it was very popular that that the major trade routes also went through Philadelphia. And they were very strong about their Greek influence. In fact, they wanted to be a hub where the Hellenistic, that's the Greek culture, where the Hellenistic influence would go out throughout the region. And they were, they were the, the first to, to bring the Greek influence into all the major cities in Asia and Asia Minor. Lydia became a Greek-speaking uh, region, all Greek-speaking because of the influence that came from Philadelphia. They had major volcanoes in Philadelphia. They had major volcanoes that brought, because they come with volcanoes, earthquakes. And the earthquakes shook that region, and so it shook them up. And they would go and they would live in huts. They would live away from the city because of all the after-tremors, all the after-tremble that would come, the aftershocks. History tells us that. And so Jesus writes to this church in Philadelphia that was shaken up by the aftershocks of the world. And some of us in here are shaken up by what's going on around us. 
But God sees you in your hut. God sees you in your place. God sees you and he says, you think that you're, that you're simple? You think that you don't have a lot of strength? I am your source of strength. And that's exactly what he tells this church right here in Philadelphia. He says, I'm your source of strength. And he doesn't find anything wrong with them. And so we're going to go right now to, uh, to uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 7, and look up to verse 13. It says here, let me pray first. Father, thank you. Thank you for you being here. Thank you for every person that's here, Lord God. I just pray your, your blessing upon your word. I pray, your, I pray your blessing over your messenger, Lord God. I'm just that, just your messenger. I pray that you give me the ability to speak in a way that honors you. And I pray that you speak to uh, each individual's heart. Let their spiritual hearts be open. Let their spiritual ears be open to hear what you have for them. And let their hearts be receptive for what you have for them. And we'll be very careful to give you all the glory for what is said and what is accomplished through this message in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. So he says, and to the angel or the messenger of the church in Philadelphia, write the words of the Holy One, the true one who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you because you have kept my word about the patient endurance. I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world. Pause. Pause. Do you think that's what's happening around our world? Is a trial to show people where they're at and where their trust is? Is it no different from this first century church that they were going through trials? There are things that come upon humanity that are very difficult and bigger than what we could ever be able to muster in our own strength and abilities. It makes people scramble. And here's, here's God saying that, that I, will, I, will, I will be there. I will, I will take care of you in the hour of this testing this trial. And then in verse 11, he says, I am coming soon. So Jesus is always wants you to think he's coming soon. He's coming tomorrow. He's coming. He could come anytime. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your, your crown, the crown of life. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. In other words, you'll stand tall. You'll stand with strength. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God. In other words, we'll know God for who he is, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem. You know, when, when, when Moses met, uh, met God, he said, who do I say send me? He said, I am that I am, because God is so, his name transcends our understanding, but there'll come a day that we will meet him face to face, that we will know him for who he really is, this loving, compassionate, gracious, wonderful father, savior. Everlasting peace, instrument and entity will know his name. 
And he says, and and, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my my God out of heaven. Where's the new Jerusalem coming? See, people get it so wrong. We're going up. Instead of saying the the new city is coming where? Down. And we get all confused. That's why I I don't major on the intermediate state where everyone gets all, they get all struggle with, no, this is how it's going to happen. I'm going to go drink coffee with my dad and my mom who died. Is it spiritual coffee? What is it? There's just so many factors that, that are gray areas. This is very, 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 very clear. He says, a new Jerusalem which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. See, God wants to, for you to open up your spiritual ears, not just your physical ears. Our physical ears You want to meet the needs that you have here in this temporary life. Your spiritual ears, you want to hear the things that are eternal. You want to hear the things that matter, like the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, the love of God that's unconditional, the joy of God that no one can take from you. No matter what's going on around us, no matter all the the, the difficulties, all the, the craziness, there's a joy that's in a believer that says it's all going to be okay. God has it in control. That's exactly what he's telling the church in Philadelphia. So what do we learn from a church in whom God finds no faults? Here's the first thing that we learn. They understood that God's door of salvation and God's door of of transformation is found only in Jesus Christ. It's not found anywhere else. When Jesus says that he holds the key of David, he is referring to the messianic, Lineage which God intended to restore not only Israel, but every person in the world who would trust in Christ, who's the anointed one, the holy one of God, the savior of the world. David was the king of Israel. And if any of you Bible scholars in here, any of you Bereans, when they put Jesus on the cross at Calvary, the Romans ordered for there to be a plaque put above his head that said, this is the king of the Jews. That messianic lineage that God said, people will know that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and he has all authority. And because he has all authority, he can open doors that you can't open. And he can shut doors that you can't close. He can open doors to salvation that, that, that you can't do in your own ability. See, religion says, religion says that you can do it in your own abilities, that you can do it in your own goodness, your own good deeds. The problem with religion is that we can't. The Ten Commandments were given to mankind not to save us, but to teach us that we need a Savior, that we fall very short of the glory of God, that you can't do it in your own ability, no matter how hard you try. And so every time that you mess up in religion, that door closes because you're not good enough. And then uh, you look at philosophy. Philosophy says, you know what, my mind, I can think things up and, and I can have this wonderful philosophy. And with my intellect, I can figure out how I can get into nirvana, how I can get into this relationship with God because I can figure things out. The problem with that is that philosophy has one philosophy coming after another. And when another philosophy comes... 
it closes the door to this other philosophy and you want to join that bandwagon. That's why people that want to become their own gods through the New Age movement and all kinds of different things, they go from one place to another. Oh, that sounds good. And that, I want some of Jesus, but I also want some of Buddha. And let me have a little bit of Muhammad. Let me have a little bit of this. And reality is that every time you do that, that door closes for you. And then some people trust in prosperity and they trust in, in, in their monetary blessings. But the problem with that is that the stock market, which holds your thousands and your millions, the stock market gets hit with the coronavirus. Hear me now. And it crashes. And the door shuts because you think that your, you think that your temporary as well as your eternal security is in your finances. Your finances aren't your eternal security. Jesus is. Doesn't matter how much money we have and how much money we don't have. If you have Jesus, you're rich in Christ. And, and I'm not saying for you not to be in the stock market. I'm wonderful. Praise God. But do not put your trust there. So the church in Philadelphia, they understood that. And, and Jesus said to them, I love the way the message puts it. It says, I see what you've done. I see it. Now see what I've done. I have opened up a door before you that no one will ever be able to slam shut. Every, every Christian that, 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 that understands what's important, you understand that you need for God to open up the doors of your life. You understand that your life will go nowhere until Jesus opens up the door. Because when Jesus opens up the door, no one can close it. The Apostle Paul put it like this. He wrote to the church in Colossae. He said, at the same time, pray also for us. He's in prison. Okay, he's in prison. Pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word. To declare the mystery of Christ. On account of which I am in prison right now. And he doesn't say, oh Lord, pray for us that you'll get us out of this prison. Pray for us that you'll get us out of this Oh, Lord, we need toilet paper. Oh, Lord, we need this. Pray, pray that as I go to Walmart, that I see that empty aisle, and there'll be someone there just not knowing what to do, and you give me the confidence to speak Christ into their life. Give me confidence in your word. Give me confidence to trust the eternal, not the temporary. To the church in Corinth, Paul wrote this. He said, I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost because a wide door for effective work has opened to me from God and there are many adversaries that I'm facing. But a door has opened up to me, Paul said, and if a door has opened up to me from God, none of my adversaries will be able to close it. If a door has opened to you from Jesus, no one can close that door. If Living Word Chapel opens the door to, not to Living Word Chapel, not to Pastor James or anyone who communicates the word, not to any person, but if we open up the door to Jesus, the people that come through these doors will find the love of God and the security of Christ for whatever they're facing in their world. And some of you right now, you you're battling 
with the adversaries in your life. I don't know where you're you're at or where you come from, but I know that we all battle. And Paul says, the door has been opened up to me for the work of God. Allow the work of God to come into your life through the open door of Christ so that you can overcome whatever you're facing for the glory of God. Again, Paul wrote to the church in in Corinth in the second letter, and he said, When I came to Troas, I came to preach the gospel of Christ. Even though a door was open for me in the Lord, he said, A door was open for me, so I know that I'm going to preach the word, but I had to go find my contemporary. But a door has opened up for me. Jesus is the door that restores people. How do you know, pastor? I'm one of them. Jesus is a door that saves people. How do I know? Because I'm one of them. I'm saved because of the grace of Jesus. I'm saved. Jesus is a door that transforms people. Transforms, changes. You're not the same person that I remember 26 years ago, 27, you're not the same person. People will tell you all the time, you're not the same person, but you are the same person, but you're, but you're, they're conflicted because you are the same person. You are, but you're not. Jesus is a door that transforms the individual. And when he opens up that door of transformation, no one can close it. I'll never forget running into one of my relatives I hadn't seen him like in about 15 years, and he said, he said to me, I won't use the word, but it starts with an F. He said, I, I F, I know you. I, not, not once, about 10 times. I know you. I know you. And really what he was saying, I remember who you were. But God opened up that door, and he saved me. God opened up the door and he empowered me. He transformed me. He will transform your life if you let him do it. If you let him do it. Here's the second thing that that, that we see that, that Philadelphia had. He said their power and their effectiveness, it came from the word. Think about Sardis. Sardis had, Sardis had the best of the best. Everyone looked up to them. They're, they're, a, they're alive. And, and Jesus said, you're not alive, you're dead. Philadelphia, they had nothing, they thought. They had no power. But they were effective according to God. Our church is named what? Living Word. Why? Because Jesus is the living Word. He's alive. He's well. He's powerful. John, the apostle, the same person that wrote Revelation, in his gospel, he said this, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. What do you mean? There are some, some uh, uh, sects of, uh, S-E-C-T-S, of, of, of Christianity that, that will teach that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a small God. No, the Word of God says that He was God, and He is God. That's Jesus. 
He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. That's Jesus. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. That's Jesus. And this light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. Another translation says the darkness does not comprehend it. But this light is a word. And when things come at us, we are either going to face these things with a word or we're going to face it with your own abilities. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. doesn't matter what I'm facing. If God is for me, who can be against me? That's how I face what's going on around me. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You trust in God, trust also in me, Jesus said. The word becomes a basis of who we are. That's exactly what the church in Philadelphia was doing. They trusted in the word. Hashtag word. If they had a, if they had a social media page, they would have said, Philadelphia, hashtag word. He writes to, to the church and he says, I know that you have a little bit of strength. Little, poquito. But yet you've kept my word and you have not denied my name. So the Lord spoke to us last year as we go into 2020. We did not know, none of us knew what this world was going to be facing you can't, you can't even deny that the reality is that this world is, 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 is we, haven't, we don't know if we've seen it all. We don't know what this week holds. My daughter, who's an educator in, in Las Cruces, New Mexico, called us, said, Dad, they shut down the schools for three weeks, and all Las Cruces schools are shut down for three weeks. But not only that, her administration said to her, said to them, you cannot leave the state. They live right next to El Paso, Texas. Very close. I don't, we don't want you to cross the state line. We don't want for you to go uh, to another place. And if you do go, when you come back, you have to be quarantined for 15 days. That was last week. I don't know what this week holds. I, honestly, I don't know if, if we're going to be able to meet this next Sunday. This, this may be the last time for I don't know that. If, the, if they say to us, you cannot bring a public gathering, we're going to adhere to what, to what the government says, and we're going to have church the way that the Lord allows for us to have church. But the reality is that we're going to hold on to the word. And we're going to find out who are the people that are really holding on to the word when all the craziness begins to happen. And who's running to the, to the toilet paper aisle or who's running to the paper that really matters? We aspire to be a church where, where we love and empower and transform people with and through the living word. And I think we're going to see more than what we could ever imagine that are going to come in through these doors. If you're here today for the first time, you need to know that God is your source of strength in this time. And that he brought you here. As much as you might think that I came here with, with someone that invited me, you're here because God brought you here and he wants to become your greatest source of strength in what you're going to face in the coming days. Your kids need that. 
Your, your, your neighbors need that. Your family needs that. And it's not about who has the greatest show in, at a church service. It's not about who has the greatest music. It's about who is trusting in the name of Jesus Christ. And that is what's going to determine who is going to be able to withstand all the pressures that we face in a world and in a country that has said, we don't, we don't need Jesus anymore. Our schools are fine without Jesus. We don't need to pray anymore. We don't even need to give a pledge to the legion. We don't need to honor our country. We don't need to honor God. We, don't, we are sustaining ourselves. We can do it. My corona. Right? And then everyone's like, what do we do? And look at where the default is. Look at how crazy this is. Hear me now. What's a default? TP. Think about it. Think about where the default is. We, as children of God, will have everything we need in Christ. You, as you trust in Jesus, will have peace that will sustain your families, your kids, your neighbors, that they'll come and say, how do you do it? The word of God with the spirit of God brings life. The word of God without the spirit of God brings death. We don't pound people over the head with the Bible. We love them in the spirit of God with the love of God that comes through the word. Paul again helps us. He wrote to the church in Galatia. He says, such is the confidence I love that. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. In other words, my relationship is very secure with the Father because of Christ. I'm confident of that. Not that we are sufficient, not that we are sufficient in ourselves. Not that I am adequate in myself to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency comes from God. Our sufficiency, our adequacy, our ability comes from God who has made us sufficient to be ministers, not of an old covenant, which is a law, but of the new covenant. Not of the letter, because the letter what? Kills. The commandments without, without the Spirit, the commandments without Jesus kills. Why? Because we can't do it. Do not lie. I don't lie, Pastor. You just lied. <laughs> Do not commit adultery. Pastor, I don't commit adultery. Did you look at a woman and lust over her? Jesus said you commit adultery when you do that. Do you? Boom, boom, boom. It goes on and 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 on. 
On and on and on and on and on. Our sufficiency never comes through the letter. It comes through the Spirit. He says, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And it awakens your soul. And the, and the Lord wants to awaken your soul. Can we bow our heads? Thank you, Father. With a show of hands, just in all our in honesty, just a show of hands, is there anyone in here that the reality of what's going on around us has brought a little bit of fear into your, into your mind. Just show of hands. Praise God for your honesty. Praise God. How many, how many of you in here that uh, just, just as, you, as you bow and just spend time with the Lord, how many of you in here with a show of hands would say, I want to replace that fear with faith? How many would just say that? I want to replace that fear with faith. Not with faith in myself. Not with my faith in, in other people that are scrambling to try to get this resolved. But faith in the one who is over everything. And that's God. Yeah. How many of you just with a show of hands would say, today I want to just trust in Jesus for whatever my tomorrow is. I just want to put my trust in Jesus and just say, yeah, praise God. Praise God for that. For whatever my tomorrow is. Let's say a prayer together. Just, just follow me in this prayer. God, I need you. At times like this, I see how frail my, my life is. I see how frail my world is. But today... Putting my faith in your strength and your ability to help me navigate through the difficulties of life. Lord, you know this coronavirus. You know it by name. You know the very, you know the very molecules that form it. And I choose not to fear any disease, but put my trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior and to follow him from this day forward in Jesus' name. Father, for those that have prayed this prayer, Lord God, I pray that there will be evidence of you entering into their sphere into their lives, Lord God, that they will see a noticeable difference of peace, a noticeable difference of, of relationship with you, Lord, a desire to grow in communion with you, and that you will fill them even as I speak right now with your Holy Spirit. Fill them, Lord, to overflow. And Lord, give us the wisdom as we move into this next week. In Jesus' name, amen. As we, as we close, uh, the one thing I would ask you is if you, if you want to get 
information with what we're finding out at the church, and we're in contact with a lot of people, state agencies as well as non-state agencies that are really monitoring the coronavirus and all the things that are going on. I, I don't believe we've heard the end of it. Okay, I don't believe we had heard the end of it. So I wanna, we want to keep you apprised, and uh, especially with what's going to happen next Sunday. Um, we don't know. Like I say, there was, there was a, a, a faith-based uh, meeting with the governor on Friday. And a lot of our contemporaries, a lot of people that we partner with, uh, they were there at that meeting. And they sent me an email go, stating what was happening at this time. And the governor is saying that the best place for people to be is in faith-based places, to be trusting in God. So that's a big amen for that, amen? Yeah, that's, a, that's a applause, yeah. But... but we want to keep you posted on what's going on from what we know and with accurate news because you're going to hear a lot of different things. So if you want that on your connection card, please put your email and then that way you'll, you'll be on our CCB, uh, our, our mailing, our emailing list, and that will go out. And so you'll get the emails that I just sent. Um, let's just believe that this is the church's finest hour, that the church will shine bright, that we will have a source of strength that cannot be taken from us, and that's God himself. Amen. Let's stand up and worship our King. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.